Welcome, welcome to the Hard Skills Show and Podcast with me, Dr. Mira Bronku. I work with leaders in healthcare research, STEM, and other technical fields who want to develop an authentic leadership identity and create a healthy, inclusive workplace environment to retain the best people doing the best work. In other words, developing the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. Now, this season, we're focusing on developing identity, which is the second stage of my strategic leadership pathway model. And today we have a really special guest, Dory Clark, and we're going to talk about self-reinvention and thinking strategically about your career. Now, we value evidence-based practical solutions And so I take notes, I want you to take notes too, reflect deeply, and identify at least one small step to further develop your hard skills muscle based on this conversation. Let me introduce Dori Clark. She helps individuals and companies get their best ideas heard in crowded, noisy world. She's been named one of the top 50 business thinkers in the world by Thinkers 50. She was honored as a number one communication coach in the world by Marshall Goldsmith, leading Global Coaches Awards, and one of the top five communication professionals in the world by Global Gurus. She's a keynote speaker and teaches executive education for Columbia Business School, among other things. She's the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of The Long Game, Entrepreneurial You, Reinventing You and Stand Out, which was named the number one leadership book of the year by Inc. Magazine. Dory has also been described by New York Times as an expert at self-reinvention, which is true. We're going to get into that. And helping others make changes in their lives. She's a frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review. And you can download her free long game strategic thinking self-assessment, which we'll talk about at doryclark.com backslash the long game. She has also a TED talk, the real reason you feel so busy that I bet every single person listening to this is going to be interested in. So um, Dory, I learned about you in uh, a number of different ways. One of them being that you're part of Marshall Goldsmith, uh, Goldsmith 100 Coaches Agency community. And I joined as a founding member of the Forefront program, which is like his next step legacy Uh, powered by 100 coaches. I'm also in Dory's uh, Recognized Expert Community, a fantastic resource, if you haven't checked it out, to grow as a recognized expert in one's field. Um, And Dory, you and I both have appointments at Duke University, you in the business school, me in the School of Medicine. So we seem to kind of travel in parallel, I guess. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you, Mira. Glad to glad to be here and thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I did have a chance to um, binge read a number of your books in the past few days. Um, and, and when I say binge read, it was like so pleasant and so easy to read your books. Like they're so, you write in such a way that it is like so easily digestible and um, so readable for so many people, so applicable for so many people. So um, before we get into that, though, help us understand, like, how did you get to this? You know, um, you help busy people take control of their lives through things like long game thinking and career reinvention. But you started out in journalism and um, campaign management with a college major in philosophy and a graduate um, degree in theology. And so uh, you're kind of the epitome of reinvention yourself. How, How did you get to this point in your career transformation? Yeah, thank you, Mira. So one of the the things that I talk about in actually my, my first book, Reinventing You, is the difference between what I call capital R reinvention and lowercase r reinvention. And lowercase r reinvention, is the kind of, you know, sort of pleasant, like, oh, let's, let's keep our skills fresh. You know, we sometimes forget to do that, but it's a very helpful thing. But when we think about reinventing ourselves, what we typically think about is the capital R, the big change, the, you know, changing, changing careers or some kind of trauma or whatever. And the, the truth is, um, 
the way that I got to what I am doing now is definitely a product of capital R reinvention. It was uh, things not working out the way that I had anticipated. And so it's true that in many cases, it can lead you to better places or places that you can't uh, predict. But uh, originally, I wanted to be an academic. And so I got a master's degree. Uh, but then I got turned down by all the doctoral programs that I applied to. So I had to kind of scratch, scratch that off the list. Uh, although I did later come back to academia in a different form. So that's another possibility. And then I thought, oh, I'll be a journalist. And I, I was, uh, but then I got laid off pretty early on as well. So I think that one of the key elements of reinvention in our modern society is just recognizing we have hypotheses. Uh, and the truth is, sometimes they work out, a lot of times they don't. And we just have to be nimble enough to kind of keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Uh this is bringing up so many memories in, about my own career path. Um, many have seen my own reinvention several times. I went from a school counselor to a clinical psychologist for like a day before I went into management and leadership, and then an organizational psychologist who, at the time, everyone only knew me as a researcher in PTSD, and I really wasn't going to keep doing that at that point, I wanted to be known as someone who worked with women leadership, you know, in women leadership. So um, reinventing myself took quite a bit of um, work and rethinking. And as I was reading your own books, I was seeing myself in in that path, you know. Um, and so what are the what are the challenges that you see some people experience when when they think about this sort of daunting idea of having a new career or see, you know being able to help other people see them in a different way yeah it's it can feel very daunting for people i i think ironically it's it's not it's not so much you know people people sometimes talk about Oh, well, you know, it's easy if you're in your 20s, but, you know, I'm older, it's, you know, hard for me or it's impossible for me. And I, I really want to say it's not that it is impossible for people once they hit a certain threshold, whether that's 40 or 50 or 60 or, or whatever it is. But I think that the part that is troubling for people and makes them perhaps feel emotionally that it's impossible is that there is a temporary loss of status. And that is really hard to deal with because, you know, the truth is if you're 24 and you lose your job and you, you have to switch to something else, you know, okay, you were probably the lowest ranked employee at your, at your old firm. Now you're the, the, the lowest ranked employee at your new firm. It's not that big of a, of a deal. But if you have built up, you know, 20 or 25 years of seniority somewhere, it can feel really, emotionally damaging and precarious to have to quote unquote step back because the the truth is in almost all cases you're not going to be able to immediately parachute into a, a position of equal stature uh in terms of reputation or in terms of money or whatever in a totally different industry right away but it's also equally true that you as you know a more senior professional have learned transferable skills, you've made connections, you've built a network that actually does allow you to rebound fairly quickly. But there's but there's usually that moment where you have to sort of feel like you're taking a step back. And that's the part that I think is so challenging for most people is kind of dealing with that interstitial period of, of you know, feeling like a schlub. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, um, I wonder what you think about this. So as you're talking, I think about like, this is an identity crisis in some ways, right? Um, and okay, yes, this season we're talking about leadership identity development. Um, but it is, you know, when I think about my own career and um, a couple of pivotal moments where I made a decision to, um, you know, reinvent myself, one of those was I was on a leadership track. I was really like um, being supported in continuing to go. And um, one of the next step up opportunities didn't work out. And I thought to myself, like, what is my next step? And I decided ultimately to go back to an individual contributor role, which some people would see 
as like, why would she do that? That's a step back. Um, But my professional identity has never been my identity. It's been just something I did in my profession. Um, But I know that like this, this um, connection to identity is a big piece. I'm sort of just curious to, to hear what your perspective is on working through like how we see ourselves as part of this process. Yeah, you raise you raise an incredibly important point, Mira, which is that for so many people, especially uh, in American society, you know, where the the default question is always, you know, what do you do? Uh, <laughs> we we do kind of conflate our professional identity with our identity, and uh, you know, there's 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 kind of uh, just total overlap with those things for many people, which is why, of course, as you know, um, the statistics are so damning and alarming uh when it comes to the health outcomes of retirees that you know oftentimes uh you know basically within five minutes of someone retiring if their life has been their job and they suddenly don't have their job anymore um they get sick they get depressed and things go downhill really rapidly um so obviously that's an outcome that we want to uh to try to avoid so it it is uh, useful and important to try to you know think how, well how can we broaden this because it's inevitable you know over the course of a lifetime or a professional career you're going to have some kind of a setback i mean maybe maybe you get fired maybe there's layoffs at your company maybe you don't get the promotion you're counting on you know whatever it is um it would be the vast vast exception if literally every phase of your career was totally smooth sailing and so as a result, we need to be thoughtful about cultivating other pieces of ourselves in our lives. Um, in my latest book, The Long Game, I talk about Google's 20% time concept where they encourage their employees to sort of expand in new areas. And uh, that's something that I think that all of us, you know, whether our employers officially uh, encourage that or not, I think we need to kind of do that for ourselves, you know, asking ourselves in the context of our overall life, what's the 20% or 10 or five or whatever it is that we are cultivating that is for our development, for our interest, so that we're not just uh, monodimensional. Yeah, absolutely. And there, the other um, piece that I'm picking up on here is not just um, what we do as part of our identity, but what we're told we can't do. And um, your book outlines a lot of just really open, refreshing um, experiences with rejection. And I've had plenty of my own where I was like the only one who didn't get X, Y, and Z. Like I didn't, you know, everyone in my graduating class got a postdoc offer. I did not. But that led to amazing other opportunities I would have never imagined had my eyes been closed to it, had I been upset about it, had I connected the rejection to my full identity instead of like this situation and time not right, not being right. Yeah, right? it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when we return, we'll be uh, talking a lot more about the 20%, the identity piece, and how you can start this long game process of reinventing yourself. So we're nearing an ad break. You're listening to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku, and our guest, Dory Clark. We now air on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Find us on LinkedIn or YouTube at talkradio.nyc, and we'll be right back with our guest in just a moment. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Bronco, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. 
I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and intangify your business today. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to the hard skills with me, Dr. Mayor Bronco, and with our guest today, Dory Clark, where we're talking about reinvention. We talked about some of the challenges that can um, get in the way of reinventing ourselves and some of them being related to how we see ourselves in terms of our identity, how we define that. Um, Now I'm kind of wondering what have you found to be most important for people to think about and do in order to address these kinds of challenges? Yeah. So when it comes to challenges around identity, something that bears mentioning, Mira, and I'm sure you've probably seen this and uh, and talked about this as well, is our relationship, you know, while we're in the process of reinventing with our family and friends, because this this is kind of the tricky part, right? Because if I meet a stranger and I tell them, oh, I, I do X, I'm a coach, I'm a garden design consultant, I'm a filmmaker, you know, they're just going to be like, oh, okay, cool. Nice to meet you. They're, they're not going to interrogate that. They're just going to accept it as a fact. But if you try to express that new identity with somebody that has known you before and has known you for a while, um, they often feel highly empowered to say, what are you thinking? Why are you doing that? You, What do you know about that? And it can be really uh, upsetting if you're not prepared for it. Because we often intuitively expect the people closest to us to be our biggest champions. And often the truth is they can kind of, you know, unless you are really thoughtful about prepping them, they can sometimes be our biggest critics because they think that they are, you know, somehow saving us from making a terrible mistake that clearly we've not thought through. Uh, So that can be a tough dynamic. Totally, totally. I am remembering... um both when I switched from a math major to psychology and that is not a normal thing, by the way, for a Romanian person to be thinking about doing psychology. Um, And um, that was hard to just share that that's what I was doing with, with um, my parents, because I was worried that they would, um, think I had no, no future in this. Right. And then, and then later on, when I told them I was switching from clinical psychology to organizational psychology, which makes no sense to most people in my family, they're like, what is that? I don't understand, you know, and I think it just comes from, um, like you said, a fear and anxiety that, um, what if it doesn't work out and a desire to protect you from failure. Um, when in fact, it might be nice if um, it was like, go you, you can do this, you know, and there are plenty of friends and family that that do that as well. But some just um, are um, really protective of, you know, of us. And it's helpful for us to just think about it that way, that that it's coming from a good place, usually that they're just worried that we won't succeed, but not to sort of like, take it in. Yeah, it's it, it is it is important to uh to hold both of those things simultaneously. Yeah, absolutely. So, um what else have you found to be um really important um as like as as people are preparing to enter this like idea generation machination around like my next steps. Um what does that first preparation phase look like? Yeah, well, I mean, the honest truth is that oftentimes the very first phase, the preparation phase, 
is just one of dissatisfaction. <laughs> That's kind of the starting <laughs> point, right? Is, yeah. you know, most, most people don't feel, I mean, some people are forced to reinvent, right? I mean, for me, I was laid off from my job as a journalist. So it's like, okay, better, better find something else. But for those who are undertaking reinvention voluntarily, usually it is because the thing they were doing is not doing it for them. And so they, they might not necessarily even know what they're seeking, but they know what they're not seeking. And it's usually the thing they've been doing. So there's kind of this amorphous period where it can feel hard to articulate because it's not, it's not too, uh, like, it, it doesn't look that put together. I think, you know, maybe many people feel to be like, I'm just not happy. And then people are like, but what do you want? And you're like, I don't know. Like, you kind of feel a little bit like a loser if you don't have a very clear thing to articulate. But right. I think it's also important to recognize that sometimes you just don't know. There's like this liminal period and we have to be kind to ourselves in it because it actually is a little bit dangerous and counterproductive to try to leap too quickly into, oh gosh, I'm not happy. So therefore I should do X, Y, Z. Because if you haven't properly vetted whatever that is, you're just as likely to sort of race headlong into another thing you don't want. So it actually pays to be thoughtful in the investigation process about, you know, taking the time to have a million uh, informational interviews and coffees with people and what's your job really like and what do you spend your day doing and, you know, reading uh, biographies or memoirs of people who are doing the job that you want or, you know, all those kinds of exploratory things. Absolutely. And um, so some coaches call this the messy middle, right? It The messy middle is that transition time from the end of something to the beginning of something else. And during that messy middle, it feels like you're lost all over the place. Um, it feels like you're going nowhere when in fact you are going somewhere. You're just not quite sure. You haven't clarified it for yourself, right? Yeah. So um, this makes me think about your own book um, journey. We've been talking about reinvention for a little bit. That was one of your first books, right? Um, the Long Game is your most recent book. And I am um, wondering how you see the long game applying to this messy middle um, and not getting lost in or stuck in the messy middle. Yeah, that's a great question. And obviously, I'm I'm always glad to talk about my book. But just a quick question for you, Mira, yeah. beforehand. Talk to me about your, your shift um, you know, let's, let's say to pick one of them, uh, from clinical psychology to organizational psychology, H how did that, how did that arise for you? How, how did you sort of realize like, oh, not this, but that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think all along, I wasn't your typical clinical psychologist. In fact, in graduate school, my, um, advisor even said, I don't think clinical psychology is what you want to do. And, I'm feeling like a administrative vibe here. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I why, did, why did he or she say that to you? I think I was leaning into um, supporting his lab in very different ways. Like I was curious about um, taking the lead on certain things. And um, I was thinking in systems level ways. And I was thinking in operational ways, you know, Um and the same thing happened immediately in my first job out after I finished my degree is, yes, I was doing the uh, job of a clinical psychologist on a research study, but I was spending a lot of time saying, can I just create a standard operating procedure for this so that we can get a better workflow and so that the team can work better? And can we create like some ways to resolve conflicts among team members around this? And eventually, I mean, that led right into uh, management and leadership positions. And what I didn't realize until probably eight years in is that I had informally re-specialized myself into a team and organizational development psychologist because I loved the process of developing myself and others as leaders and developing the team and focusing on organizational stuff. I just didn't realize that was like the label, the thing that I was doing. That's very interesting. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, 
at at some point, um, I was um, wondering what's next. You know, I feel I felt like I was just checking all the boxes, and I wasn't really being challenged as much. Um, and I asked myself, um, what are all the things that I do well? Then out of those, what do I see enjoying out of the things that I do well? And out of those, what are the things that people actually pay other people to do? <laughs> Worthy questions. Yes. <laughs> By the way, we see a cat in your background. It's this. Ah, yes, this is Philip. Um, Philip uh, has made it his mission to get extremely famous by uh, crashing all of my Zoom calls. So, yeah, love it. Philip is gorgeous. Hello, Philip. Thank you. He's a very he's a very social kitty. Oh, he might even. Yeah, <laughs> now he, he wants attention. He, he, he likes that attention. compliment. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> just, it's totally not tell- cool that this is not his show. <laughs> I know. Just keep telling him how beautiful he is, and soon he'll be right here. <laughs> Yeah. So it was a long game for me as well. It was um, a 10-year process of realizing kind of where I was going and taking a step back and thinking about what that was in order to inform my next step. Um, And the final piece that um, helped me sort of like get over the hump of now I know what my next step is. How will other people know what I do? is um, something I think similar to some of the ways that you have handled this is um, I looked for the um, largest national platform I could to start talking about things I was interested in and pitched to all kinds of places and ended up in psychology today um, as a blog series contributor um, yeah. focused on women's leadership. And that was how I got known for my new interests. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And and you raise uh, an important point, which is that one of the things that people sometimes forget about when they think about reinvention or transition, you know, they focus rightly, of course, on like doing the thing, making the transition. But we have to recognize that's kind of only half the battle because the second part that's really important is like making sure other people know you've done the thing yes. <laughs> and getting known for that new thing. Right, right. So how how do people make sure that other people know what, because a lot of people don't realize that nobody is like watching them every minute of the day, figuring out what they do. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we, in our heads, because of course it's a, you know, our transition is a very big deal to us. Um, we sort of imagine like, okay, you know, I, I told them now they know, but the truth is it takes so many iterations because even very well-meaning people, they're just used to thinking of you in a certain way. They're going to, you know, they're going to forget even if they try. And so we need to essentially keep reminding them. So that's where things like, I mean, in your case, for people who have a public platform, it can be about, you know, writing articles in a magazine or something like that. Um, On a more private level, it can be, um, what are you sharing on your social media feed? Are you talking about your old thing? Or are you talking about your new thing? Because, you, you know, it's a useful opportunity to remind people. Um, when you see people in person, are you talking about your new thing and, and you know, reminding them so that on a consistent basis, it's like, oh, right, she does this now. Um, because in politics, there's a saying that no one's going to vote for you. They won't even remember your name until they hear it seven times. And the mm-hmm. same is true, I think, of your reinvention. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. We are nearing an ad break. So as a reminder, you're listening to the hard skills with me, Mira Bronco, and our guest, Dory Clark. We air Tuesdays, 5 p.m. Eastern. Find us on LinkedIn or YouTube at talkradio.nyc. And we'll be right back with our guests in just a moment. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. 
Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome, welcome back to The Heart Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku, and our guest, Dory Clark. We're talking about reinventing ourselves and the long game, the strategy that it takes to get there. Um, because of the fact that we are on a podcast and show that focuses on leadership identity and development, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on um, how people who are moving into a new leadership role might think about these concepts internal to their own organization when they're like thinking about vision and communicating. Um, And they're not maybe completely reinventing themselves, but in some ways they need to be seen differently than they've ever seen been seen before. Yeah, absolutely. It can it can definitely be harder in many ways when you are trying to reinvent yourself within the same organization mm-hmm. um, because you um, people have a, a template of you in their minds. And um, as, as you know, uh, Mira and some of your listeners may know, um, one of the abiding elements of the human brain uh, is its desire to be what is known as a cognitive miser. And uh, basically, that means that like at all costs, your brain wants to conserve energy and not think about things. And so if something seems stable, if something seems the same, your brain is basically going to go on autopilot. Your brain is so busy thinking about new things or new developments that if something is kind of steady state, they're just like, oh yeah, okay, fine, you know, and, and they, they never consider it again. And the problem is that for a lot of us, our reputation with our friends and colleagues has gone into a steady state. And so if you met them five years ago, they probably think of you the way that they thought of you five years ago. Meanwhile, I mean, you might have, whatever, gotten a doctorate, you might have learned to speak a new language, you might have gotten married and had kids, you might have, you know, developed some incredible new ability. But it's not really in their brain. And uh, even if they quote unquote, know it, that's not really how they're thinking about you. And so we have to very consciously break those patterns and interrupt those patterns, so that people are thinking of you in a new way. Um, So that means we have to be very thoughtful upstream about, all right, how am I going to get them to take notice? You know, what, what am I going to do differently? Um, how am I going to create the conditions so that they recognize these things? So maybe it's looking for opportunities so that things can really break through. Oh, you know, if I, if I am a, a speaker at the workshop about this and they actually have to hear me deliver a speech about it, that's different. Okay. Maybe they'll see, oh, she's doing this now or, are there different things that you can be talking about regularly or, you know, ways to sort of demonstrate? Maybe you even start dressing slightly differently. You know, if you're the boss now, maybe you dress up a little bit more as a visual cue. Um, there's a lot of possibilities, but I think that's that's one of the keys that we have to be mindful of. Yes. Um, I'm remembering how 
my um, supervisor had to actually kick me into doing these kinds of things, you know, and, and tell me when I was doing my old stuff, you know? Um, and so he'd push me into talking on our behalf, for example. Yeah. And that was extraordinarily intimidating, but it was important for people to see me in a different way. He would um, ultimately say, you know, at meetings, you sound like you're, you know, thanking everyone and appreciating everyone and very tentative and as if you're still being mentored by everyone in the room, you know, and you ha- you have to sort of break that. So um, definitely agree, agree with, with, with that. Um, what about like, if you're moving to a different leadership role in a different organization and they don't know you, um, obviously in that situation, what you're combating is their um, preconceived expectations of you, whatever they've read online about you and what they think that implies in your role. Um, what are your thoughts on that kind of transition? Yeah, so it's it's important, you know, to your point, Mira, to try our best. You know, it's not it's not always easy for us because we're so close to it. So this is where bringing in a friend uh, might be helpful as well. But but as best you can, or with the help of a friend, try to essentially imagine what are what are the straw men that you're battling against, right? Like what what are the things that they are worried about or that they might assume or whatever? I mean, I'm just making things up, but like, oh, they see you went to an Ivy League school. So they're going to think you're stuck up and that you think you're better than everyone, right? And so if that's the thing, you might say, oh, okay, well, if that's you know, if that's different from everybody else, if it's going to sort of stand out, maybe I need to over index, you know, at least in, in the, you know, the first month or whatever on being super accessible and super friendly, just so there's no way that they could be getting that impression or, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is, as long as you're aware of what they might be thinking, then you can just make a little bit of an extra push to try to neutralize that thing. That's a great strategy. Great. Okay. Let's go back to thinking now the long game. Those are like tiny strategies, right? Um, big picture, long game. You talk about career waves. What are what are these things about? Yeah. So so in the long game, um, I I do talk about the concept of, of career waves, as you mentioned. Basically, what I mean by that is that a challenge, a, a sort of uh, potential rut that we can fall into as humans, uh, understandably is that if you are doing a thing that is getting you results, if you are doing a thing that is working, quote unquote, people tend to keep doing it for a very long time, if not forever. And, you know, that makes sense as far as it goes, but it does become problematic. And I think we need to be aware that we we are cyclical creatures. We are We are not machines. A machine can do the same thing forever and it's great because that it just can keep rocking it. But for humans, you know, our whole lives are rhythms. You know, we're on circadian rhythms every day. We need to sleep. Um, our, our digestion, our energy is on rhythms. And the truth is our career arc is on rhythms as well. And so, for instance, we, we tend to just get caught in the trap of doing the thing either that we like a lot and we just do that or doing the thing that we're good at and we do that a lot. But ultimately, you need to recognize that at a certain point, you kind of need to work on your weaknesses as much as you need to work on your strengths. Otherwise, um, eventually, maybe not tomorrow, but eventually a crack in the armor is going to form and the world is going to move on. So I talk about four key waves. Um, the first one I, I call the learning wave, of course, because you start in a job, you start in an industry, all you can and should be doing right away is just taking in information and learning, you know, and uh, okay, great. Here's, here's who who here's how this place works so that's great but eventually you need to stop doing that i mean you know okay fine you never officially stop learning but you need to just you know go out of sponge mode and begin to realize you know okay i gotta earn my keep around here i need to start sharing and creating and that is once you get the lay of the land you need to start sharing your ideas you need to make it a proactive contribution so that people see why you're there you also, at a certain point, need to shift into connecting mode where you're building relationships and you're sort of embedding yourself in that organization. 
And then finally, you get to what I call reaping mode, which is where, oh, great, Every, you know, all, all cylinders are on go. You're extremely comfortable there. Everybody knows you. You're, you're rocking it. But if you just keep milking things, if you just keep sort of extracting, it's not going to go well forever. You need at a certain point to disrupt yourself and go back into learning mode because you can't keep doing things the same way forever or it gets ossified and um, eventually you get displaced. Yeah. Um, I I like your point about getting um, the fear, the, the worry about getting displaced uh, because you're not learning and growing and developing and changing along with the rest of the world. And um, sometimes I do see people um, getting complacent in where they are and um, you know, that can be okay for a while, depending on your life circumstance, but um, they will find themselves at some point feeling like um, they've, they've been left behind in some way, um, or they've lost out or um, just don't feel the kind of um, depth of um, life satisfaction and career satisfaction that you could have the potential to feel if you're sort of constantly thinking about iterating and where, you know, what am I sort of learning and growing into next? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So um, career waves is one thing that like, I really sort of resonated with as a concept. The other one was strategic patience. (laughs) And I'm just going to, I'm going to read one piece of it because I just, I don't know why I like this so much in your book, but I'm going to read it. Um, If it were easy to be patient and easy to do the work, then everyone would do it. What I've come to love about patience is that ultimately it's the truest test of merit. Are you willing to do the work despite no guaranteed outcome? And I thought, Ooh, that's, that's tough for some people to not have any guarantee to put in all the work, no guarantee of success. I'm really curious to hear more about this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's true that I guess there's a certain percentage of people that even if something were guaranteed, if it was going to take a while, they they still wouldn't do it because they're so <laughs> impatient. Um, th- those are, are probably some, uh, some pretty hardcore uh, extreme hedonists out there. But for, for most people, yeah, I mean, I, I feel pretty confident that if, if you said to someone, all right, you know, it's going to take a while, but you're guaranteed to succeed by doing it. Then, you know, I think most people will be like, okay, okay, I can do it. Um, but, you know, we have to recognize, I, I am a big fan of embracing reality and the reality of everything in life. I mean, you know, I'm sorry, like somebody, somebody says, I'm going to marry you. It's forever. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, <laughs> let's hope that's the case, <laughs> but it actually, for a variety of reasons, some in your control and some out of your control, that, that is not something that you can be guaranteed and similar for anything in your career, anything in this world. And so if we're really going to be honest with ourselves, we have to say, does it matter to you enough anyway? Does it matter to you enough to say, all right, all I can do is roll the dice and and hope that uh, that I get where I'm going to go. You know, I'm, I'm making the best strategic bet that I can. You know, you're not foolishly rolling the dice, but uh, but you are taking a calculated risk that your time and your effort is worth it for this outcome. I have to have respect for those people because it's not always going to work out. But when it does, I really do feel it's it's richly deserved because they've taken not just a time risk or an energy risk, they've taken an existential risk and said, all right, let's 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 stare it down. It might not work, but I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, love it. Does it matter to you enough anyway? That's a great message. And that is how we're going to go into our next ad break for people to mull that one over. You're listening to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronco, and our guest, Dory Clark. We'll be right back in just a moment. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. 
Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and intangify your business today. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome, welcome back to The Hard Skills with me, Mira Bronku, and our guest, Dory Clark. Behind the scenes, for any of you who are watching right now, all we've been talking about is everyone's cats. <laughs> our engineer is talking about his cat, Peanut Butter, the Flabby Tabby. <laughs> We're having way too much fun in the background here. <laughs> all right. Where we left off, which I just really love here, is... Um, if you're thinking strategically and long-term, then you're going to have to make some calculated decisions, some some calculated risks to decide, is the effort worth it? And if it's worth it, it's about, does it matter to you anyway? Are you willing to do it just because it matters to you? And I really like that message. Um, one of the, the things that it got me um, thinking about is how Sometimes I will say that being an entrepreneur is um, an exercise of being patiently impatient, or may maybe it's impatiently patient. I'm not sure which one, but the, I think about that, like you're, you're constantly feeling like a bit on edge that you're um, not moving fast enough and you have all of these big dreams and you want to get to that end stage, but you know, some of this stuff takes 10 years to achieve, right? And um, and that's not just, you know, that's being realistic, which, which is what we were talking about, being real, realistic about um, how much time change takes. Uh, it also reminds me of a project that I was working with um, a group of people on where they were creating action plans. Um, and um, they're working in a large, complex system. And when I was listening to their ideas, I said, I love this idea. This is a three-year goal. This is a ten, this is culture change. This is 10 to 20 years, right? How can you think about this um, as like the first six months? What will it take in this first six months? And then if, if you achieve that, then what will it lead to? I don't want to overwhelm people, but I do want to right size the, the goal so that they don't feel frustrated that they aren't meeting it as if they can't. Yeah, that's right? an important point. Yeah. So um, what's one thing, Dory, that you would like to have people take away from from today about our talk? Yeah, Mira, thank you. We've covered so much great ground here. And I, I think it is an important topic or question for people. Um, you know, a colleague of mine named Bruce Feiler wrote a, a great book recently um, talking about career shifts. And one of the pieces of research that he had is that for for most people 
um, there's what he calls a work quake, you know, some kind of professional disruption of whatever form, um, every, every three to five years. Uh, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, an apocalyptic one, but it, it, it could be something fairly substantial that impacts you. You know, maybe you do change jobs or careers, you get promoted or you get a new boss and maybe you used to get along with your, old boss really well and you don't get along with your new boss or whatever it is, but it's never really a a static set of affairs. And so I think understanding that we need to, to just try to hold things lightly. It's hard to hold things lightly when it's your life and when it's your career, but ultimately um, change happens a lot and uh, we began the conversation by talking about lowercase r reinvention and capital R reinvention. Where lowercase r reinvention comes in handy is just finding ways on an ongoing basis to keep yourself fresh, to keep yourself at sort of the edge of your abilities, learning new things, never never sort of saying, oh, now I'm set, now I'm done, now I can sort of sit back. Um, but But to recognize, you know what, we need to make it a habit to read the book about the new emerging trend or to make the effort to invite the person for coffee so that your network, your professional network doesn't stagnate. If we can make those small things a habit, then it means that whenever there is a disruption, it's a heck of a lot less of a disruption than it would have been otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And I've already named a number of things that I took away from it, but cognitive miser is a new one for me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to that one. Um, where can people find you? And while you are sharing this, I'm actually going to share my screen. Um, oh, looks like I can't share today. So I'm going to have to read out. If you go to one of my favorites. Oh, now I can share it. Okay, go ahead. Where can people find you? And I'm going to show uh, people while they're watching um, and listening here, um, a couple of my favorites for you. Oh, amazing. Thank you, Mira. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, people can find me at my website is doryclark.com. And if they're interested in reinvention in particular, uh, if they go to doryclark.com slash reinvent, they can uh, download the free reinventing you self-assessment to help you think through questions of reinvention in your own life. Mm. Reinvent. Yeah, that should work. There it is. There it is. Thank you. Build the career that you want. Awesome. Thank you for sharing all of these um, great um, resources and tools for for people. Um, Audience, what did you take away from today? And importantly, what is one small step, one little change that you can implement this week based on what Dory shared? Share it with us on LinkedIn at Mira Branku or Dory Clark or talkradio.nyc so we can cheer you on. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, all over the place. But I happen to live on LinkedIn, which is why I keep saying LinkedIn. Okay. Um, In addition to the live show, we're on iTunes and Spotify. So please subscribe. Leave a review, share with others to help us increase our visibility, reach, and impact. So in this episode, we discussed one of many aspects of developing a nuanced hard skills needed to become an exceptional leader who can drive significant systemic change and make real impact. If you would like to explore how we can help you with leadership and team development services, you can also go to gotowerscope.com. Um, and you can also learn about our Tower Scope Leadership Academy. Full membership starts early 2024. So be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to hear more about it when the application process opens up. And uh, thank you again to talkradio.nyc for hosting. I'm Dr. Mira Baranku, the host of the Hard Skills Show. Thank you for joining us today with Dory Clark. Have a great rest of your day, wherever you're tuning in from. And don't forget, Does it matter to you enough anyway? Don't be a cognitive miser. Google 20%. Messy middle. These are all things to think about when you're thinking about where you are in your process and where you're heading. 
And if you need more help, I'm going to share these websites again. I'm going to share my screen also for those who are watching. You can go to doryclark.com backslash reinvent to get yourself some free access to resources about reinventing yourself. You can check out her courses. This is the recognized expert one that I'm a part of, which is great. You can even get a recognized expert toolkit at doryclark.com backslash toolkit to build the career you want and get your knowledge recognized. Any parting words besides that? Mira, thank you so much. It's wonderful to be on the show. And I would uh, I would just say one comment, one, uh, one hope for people uh, that I talk about in my book, The Long Game. Um, it's about optimizing for interesting. Um, we all get a little confused sometimes when it comes to finding, you know, what is our passion in life or what should we be doing? It's a very high bar. Um, and what I like to say is, let's lower it. <laughs> let's make it a little easier for ourselves. And instead, let's ask the question, what do you find interesting? And how can you do more of it in your life? Um, that's a question that we all, I think, know the answer to, and it can lead us to good places. I like ending on that because I have found myself that when I just dial up the time I spend on things that energize me and dial down the time I spend on things that de-energize me whenever I can, I don't always have that opportunity, but when I can, and I just follow where my feet go, I don't make an assessment about it. I don't make a judgment. I don't ask too many questions. I just follow where my feet are going. It has made all of the difference. So we'll close on that. And by the way, more cat pictures are happening in the background here. <laughs> we are having a blast back here with cat pictures. Okay. Thank you again, talkradio.nyc. And if you haven't had a chance to um, watch this live, you can always follow up later with the video recording or the podcast. Take care, everyone. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mara Bronthu, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. 
about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.